Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm really happy to be here with you today. We've got a great show in store and happy Wednesday. I hope you're loving this Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule as much as we are here at That Sounds Fun. Before we dive into today's show, let me take a quick moment to tell you about one of our incredible partners, Crew. It probably goes without saying, but I like saying things to y'all, so I'm going to say it anyway. The Bible has absolutely changed my life. Y'all know, I've told you about how last year when I read through the Gospels every month, it was one of the richest experiences of my life. Imagine for a second that you couldn't get a Bible, that you couldn't hop on Amazon and get one sent right to your house, or maybe even that you couldn't afford one. Take it one step further and imagine that you aren't even allowed to have one. Honestly, sometimes we forget that there are people like lots of people all around the world who simply can't get a Bible. I can't imagine. That's why we're thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to partner with Crew. Crew is one of the largest evangelical organizations with over 25,000 missionaries in almost every country. Crew is giving Bibles around the world to people in their own heart language and sharing the hope of Jesus. But here's where they need your help. For only $21 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. And when you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $21 as a thank you, Crew will provide meals to five hungry families through their humanitarian aid ministry, and you'll receive a promo code for 10% off at shopanniefdowns.com. Simply text FUN to 71326 to help today. Imagine just how much this gift could change someone's life. So text FUN to 71326, that's F-U-N to 71326 to help now, or visit at give.crew.org slash fun. So today our guest is my friend, Jess Connolly, and I do want to give a little disclaimer before we get into this conversation. I want you to know that we are discussing body shame and just some different content about eating and body image, and if those are topics that hit tender places for you, I just want you to know in advance so you can make the kindest choice for yourself about when you listen to the show. Jess's new book just came out yesterday. It is called Breaking Free from Body Shame, Dare to Reclaim What God Has Named good. Y'all know Jess. She has written You Are the Girl for the Job, the co-author of Wild and Free. She found Go and Tell Gals that I tell y'all to join a lot. And she helped start She Reads Truth. I absolutely love Jess and I cannot wait for y'all to hear today's show. So here's my conversation with my friend Jess Connolly. Jess, book launch week. We're here. We're doing it. What are you feeling? This is like your fourth book? Annie, do you know what's crazy? This is my ninth book. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. If you count Bible studies. Oh, Bible studies. Of course, of course. Okay. If you count Bible studies, yes. Uh, If you don't count Bible studies, it's my seventh book. Oh my gosh. Okay. How does this one feel different? It's my favorite. This one feels different because I feel the fruit of it the most in my own life. You know, I believe it the most. I think for me, body shame, how I feel about my body has been the greatest area of weakness. And so I think it's just been the best canvas for grace and healing and strength. And I just, I believe in the power of this book more than I have for any other ones. Really, I don't mind saying that more than any other one so far. Is it hard that you have to talk about this all the time now? I don't like talking about this. It's not. I have flashes of it. Like I'll have a, I'll have a flash of it of like, ooh. We're talking about this because I used to not love my body, but truly like there are so, there are so few places in my story in particular, where I just feel so much like a hundred percent freedom, healing hope. And this is one of those areas for me. 
if anything, it, it can be a little bit, it can be a little overwhelming to, for people to be so vulnerable and share their yeah. stories back. But also it, it just encourages me and inspires me to, to hear what they're struggling with. Why are they saying it back to you? How are people feeling brave enough to say it back? I'm getting a lot of DMs. And I'll say um, I hear I hear a, a plethora of stories about my mom. Like yeah. my mom said this, yes. or my grandmother said this, or my sister said this, and this was hard for me, and I've always believed this. Well, I hear a lot about um, husbands. Hey, um, I want to believe this, but my husband doesn't believe this. That's difficult for me. But I think the main reason, though, we're hearing, I'm hearing it back, that I'm getting the DMs and I'm getting the emails is because people just feel, we feel so uncomfortable to talk about this. And, and I would say, especially amongst Christian women, we feel like we should be better. We should be over this. We should be more mature than this. We feel like this is vanity. And I think just because it is, it's so vulnerable to talk about. It's our actual flesh. It's our actual bodies. Let's talk about the mom-grandmother thing for a minute. It does feel like so many of my friends, some of my story from my grandmothers, from my mom, I mean, from all the women we grew up with, the only way you figure out how to be in your body is to listen to the people who are teaching you how to be in your body. And women 20, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, I don't know, really talked about dieting a lot. I mean, we we really do now too. And so I say that just to say, I think we've learned some like more appropriate ways to talk about it, but it's still, we're still just as obsessed, you know? Uh, you're right. You're right. You're so right. And so I say that just to say like, just let's give a like a huge dose of grace at the beginning. Yeah. But our, our mothers, our grandmothers, like they didn't start this. Like the enemy started this. This is this is the enemy is the enemy. They were born into it. They genuinely, no one told them better. And I, I feel like we are such a blessed generation right now to be able to be having so many of these conversations about freedom and the way that we talk to people and the way we have compassion for people. But I say that right at the beginning just to say, I think we we may be as bad, if not worse. We just we found more like appropriate ways to talk about our bodies. Uh, you're right. And that's so brutal. You're right. I mean, we still talk about other people's bodies all the time. Yeah. And even like, I mean, imagine telling like our grandmothers or our moms like, well, it's fine because in 30 or 40 years, when we take pictures, we're just going to filter them. Like we're just going to, and even actually like when we broadcast our face to our, the thousands of people who see us, we're just going to have like an actual like thing that makes us look better. Right, 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 right. <laughs> it's still bondage. You're it's right. Just, you're right. Yeah, it's a little more culturally appropriate. So what's the backup to what the enemy did from the beginning? It's inadequacy, right? Like um, it's when the actual serpent, when the enemy says to Eve, like, you know, if you ate the apple, you'd be like God. There is this not enoughness put on the table. You're not, you're not okay right now. You could be better if you did this thing. And so if we think about Adam and Eve, their relationship with God how how he had provided for them, how he had given them what they needed. And then all of a sudden there's this awareness, like awareness, I'm not enough, I'm not good enough. And then right after the fall, we see shame, we see blame, we see all these things enter. We see tension between between man and woman. And so that being said, like this agenda, I believe it affects women the most. But I believe this agenda is also against men. I mean, number one, they say 97% of women struggle with body image issues. 95% of men struggle with body image issues. So they're 2% less. But also, this is like a bummer for men who don't get to see women in their 
um, the true gift that they are to the kingdom. This is this is like an uh, an agenda against them in the same way that they are invited to objectify women. It's it's about all of us. It's about everybody. This this kind of like invitation of like, hey, just be about your body's aesthetics and find your worth in that, and judge each other and rate each other on on your appearance and and miss out on the true worth of your souls and all these things. Um, that being said, going back to our mothers, going back to our grandmothers, I have so much compassion for the women in our generation, the women in their 20s to 40s who are really trying to find some freedom, trying to believe some truth, but all they've ever heard is lies spoken about their body and the bodies of women around them. It's a lot. It's a lot to combat. I think we've got to go back. We've got to get some healing. Um, and we got to move forward in some new ways too. Why did you decide to do this? Why this book? Why couldn't you have just like done a course? Like, because just like now, your story and your conversation about breaking free from body shame is going to be so loud everywhere. <laughs> I just keep thinking like, why did you do this? <laughs> it's so hard. This is where it must be God. It did not feel hard. And that is where I really do want to say, like, it's it's the number one. What you're asking is the number one question that that people have asked me, especially people who do what we do. Like authors keep saying, like, how did you get the courage? How could you, how could you do this? Why did you step into this? And I want to tell you, so I'll so I'll go back and say this. I've always said I want to write a book on body image. I want to write a book on body image. The last six or seven years, anytime I meet an editor, I'd scribble on a piece of paper like body book, body book. We gotta come back to this. And that's because I I was experiencing healing and I knew, you know, I, I am a woman. The truest part of my story is I'm a woman who used to hate my body, who now loves my body. And so I knew like there are actual tools that God's given me and, and I want to share some of this and I know women can feel free. So I would think about that a lot, but the, getting to what it, why I actually wrote it is March 4th, 2020, before the pandemic hit the U.S., I flew to see my editor and I went to have lunch with her and we sat across the table and we kind of like joked about like, Oh, things are getting crazy with this pandemic. And she said, Hey, how are you feeling about the body book? Like, do you, do you, are you thinking about that anytime soon? And I was like, yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to write a book this year. I was taking 2020 off. So I'm not going to write a book this year, but like maybe next year I'll do some research. I'll pray about it. We'll see. And she was like, okay, keep praying about it. And six weeks later, we're in the thick of, lockdown and quarantine and all the things. And she said, Hey, let's hop on the phone. I want to, I want to talk through some things with you. And she asked me, how do you think women are feeling about their bodies right now? They've been home for six weeks. They're in the middle of a pandemic. Like, how do you think they're feeling about their bodies? And I said, pretty bad, pretty bad. And she said, how do you think they're going to feel a year from now? And I said, pretty bad. And so she actually kind of dared me. She said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go by like every Christian book you can find about body image. And I want you to see what you find. And she was like, buy some secular books too. See what you can find. And just do some reading. And so I I ordered a few books from Amazon that day. They came in two days later. I opened like the first book of a Christian book about body image and for me, it was the probably one of the most triggering pages I've ever read. It was really, um, yeah, it was wildly discouraging and defeating. Um, hearing another Christian woman talk so badly about her body, and I just happen to know what this Christian woman looks like, and she's smaller than me and more culturally um, acceptable in a beauty place than me, and so um, I was like, oh gosh, oh gosh, this is a lot. And I, right. I skimmed a few more books and I read a few more books. 
And I started writing the next day. And uh-uh. you're like, I'm out. I'm, I'm going to write this thing. <laughs> yeah. I started writing the next day and the manuscript was done 60 days later. <gasps> you are lying. You had it done in 60 days? 60 days. And I've yes. told people I would I'd write for an hour and a half every morning. And then I would literally walk around the rest of the day feeling like a million bucks because I, yeah, I just felt so free and writing that's writing these stories and finding the truth that I was finding in scripture. Like, you know how it is. Sometimes you think you have an idea about what God said. When you start digging in, you're like, this is good. This is it. And so to find those answers and to like, I I had this idea in my head. I think God thinks our bodies are good. I think he doesn't want us to live in shame. I really think there might be a lot of freedom here for people. I think there might be paths out. And then so to, to actually put my fingers on the laptop and to write it and to see like, this is real. And I feel it and I love my body. That I say all that to say it did not ever and it has not ever felt like something that has felt heavy. I, I just can't believe he let me do it. I can't believe he let me tell my story, you know? Yeah. Why does the enemy want us to hate our bodies? I've got a few ideas. I think he's probably got some horrible other ones that I don't, I couldn't even imagine. <laughs> right. Number one, our bodies are where we experience God. Our bodies are where we experience God. Wow. Okay. Keep going. So if you hate your body, that's going to impact the way you experience God, the way you experience yourself, the way you experience other people. So that, in effect, shades everything we we do. So it's like this one fail swoop. My sister, who for me has been the number one person that I have felt tempted to compare myself to my entire life. My, my sister's three years older than me. Her body type is extremely different than mine. When we were growing up, she was an actual model, like an actual model, but she has also been the, the chief champion of my freedom. And she has always said this to me. She has said like, this is the one, this is the one thing that if the enemy takes you out here, you're going to miss out on so much. So like, do not let him take you out. Do not let him take you out here. So that's, I mean, number one, it's just this like, this like gauntlet he can throw that affects everything else. I think some other reasons is a lot of us won't step into our God-given calling and our God-given gifting if we don't feel capable because our bodies aren't good. I think that he knows it impacts our abundance and our joy. Like a lot of us will show up and do the things. We'll lead the things. We'll get the job. We'll get married. We'll do the things that that like are for us, but we just won't enjoy them because we've decided our bodies aren't good. I had a girl last week at, on tour, Jess at VIP, say I almost didn't come because I couldn't get into my jeans. And I was like, oh, how many people didn't show up tonight because of their body? Like, oh my gosh, I was so impressed with her and so proud of her. And so like, yes, girl, way too, just today you picked a different pair of pants. Fine, fine. I think again, I think it plays into like genuinely the objectification of women. This massive tension, tension's too small a word between men and women that keeps us from seeing each other as brothers and sisters, keeps us from seeing each other as um, like co-heirs of the kingdom, and I think I think it goes both ways. In general, I think it it keeps us from stepping into all of the good things that literally like that God gave to us and is giving to us. I think when we feel bad about our bodies, it keeps us from that. And I'll tell you what's interesting. I've noticed two real objections 
to the idea that we can break free from body shame. And they're on opposite ends of the spectrum. So one is that I hear from a lot of women, I don't think this is really about that big of a deal. It's really interesting to me. Like, I don't think that it's really that big of a deal. And you're like, you're not in the 2%, sis. You're not in the 2%. You're That's not. not. No. It's a really big deal. We've got, I mean, you want to move on from the 97% of women who say they struggle with body image issues. We've got three out of four women struggling with like clinical disordered eating. Um, and we don't, we don't even know to call it that anymore. I had a mom DM me the other day and she said something along the lines of like, Hey, I think my daughters are are really like getting too much into this body shame idea. They both told me they have body dysmorphia. I think, you know, I think maybe they're like being a little dramatic or they've just heard this phrase. And I said, no, I think probably the issue is that we all have body dysmorphia and we just now given it a name. And so it's a lot more prevalent than we thought, you know, that's right. That's but exactly the other right. huge objection that I hear um, from women against the idea of breaking free from body shame, it's either number one, this isn't this isn't really a big deal, or number two, it's just not possible. People will just say like, it's just not possible. I just don't. I just, I just don't. There's no way I'm going to live in my body the rest of my life and not have problems with it. No way. And so for that, um, I think it helps to be number one, a person who actually feels freedom, who actually just just feels like actual love for her body, but also someone who has seen the power of Jesus. And I'm like, he just loves us too much to say like, no, I I just want you to struggle the rest of your life. Right. I just want you to have to deal with that. It's a thorn in your flesh. Yeah. And so the book really dives into a lot of these ideas of the now and not yet and how we can struggle with actual weakness and actual pain in our bodies, but still have a belief system that believes our bodies are good and treats them as such rather than punishing them, treating them as projects, trying to turn them into trophies, et cetera. Oh gosh. Okay. Go back to body dysmorphia. Okay. Body dysmorphia. So I sent you a box. I don't know if you've seen it yet because I know you're on, you're on tour and you're a busy gal. So you're going to see it and I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. I just saw the mail was here when I walked in, but I have not opened it. So spoiler alert. I sent these these book boxes to my friend, as we do when our books come out, we send boxes to our friends. And I had this gal, um, a friend of mine who is an artist, make like really beautiful little um, pieces of art that have the individual person's faces on them. And underneath it, it says, your body is good. So you're going to get one, you're going to open your package, and you're going to see a little Annie um, that oh. underneath it says your body is good. Now, what's so interesting is I've seen so many videos of my friends opening these boxes and here's what happens. They open it and they see the art and they're like, oh, that's so sweet. That's so beautiful. And they keep going through the box and it takes someone else telling them that's you. Wow. They think it's like a cute little drawing. They don't realize it's them. And they're very lifelike. Like you're going to see yours and be like, once I tell you this, you're going to, everybody in your office is going to say, that's you, Annie. But it's so interesting how even like this idea of like our reflection with this idea attached to it, like this is a good body, is hard for us to, to connect with. And so it's been interesting to me, even seeing my friends open these boxes, like they don't even know that's you, that's you. Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation real quick to tell you about one of our amazing partners, KiwiCo. When I was teaching elementary school, one of my favorite things was knowing that things my students and I were doing together would stick with them for a really long time. I mean, it's so true, right? Our childhood experiences impact who we are today, just like our investment in childhood education. Why not gift your mini BFFs super cool KiwiCo STEAM projects that's science, technology, engineering, art, and math. 
to nurture their curiosity and exploration outside of the classroom. With a KiwiCo subscription, your child gets a new crate full of fun science and art projects every month. They have options for trailblazing toddlers to more experienced explorers in every stage in between. Some of our staff kids worked on a KiwiCo crate last week that was all about rainbows. They made this little rainbow pillow, a stained glass window hanging, and they dyed a little tote bag in the colors of the rainbow. Here's the awesome part that I love is that they were having fun and working together, learning about the science of how light and colors work and creating something with their hands instead of staring at screens. There was so much included in that one box. The crates include one to two larger projects or two to three smaller projects tied together by an engaging theme. And KiwiCo does the legwork for you. Legitimately everything your child needs for their project, the supplies, step-by-step directions, everything is included in every crate. So they can get started right away. With KiwiCo, there's something for every kid or a kid at heart every month. So get your first month free on select crates at kiwico.com slash that sounds fun. That's K-I-W-I-C-O dot com slash that sounds fun. And now back to my conversation with Jess. For me, body dysmorphia dealing with all this has been like a life story for me and working it through. How does our relationship with God change when we when we learn to live in our body better? Again, similarly, so many ways I want to go. Number one. You love to talk about Sabbath, which I love. I love that people ask you about Sabbath. I love that people recognize you need this rhythm. So one thing that I found in my path to freedom and and breaking free from body shame is that I didn't even know how to experience like rest and true grace with God from God because the actual place where I rested my body, I was always striving in. So because I always treated my body like a project, because I always treated it like an ongoing problem, I didn't even know how to receive rest and grace and love and mercy from God. Wow. Does that make sense? Yes. I would say number one, I think there are all these spiritual benefits of like of genuine like love, grace, mercy, rest, kindness, patience that are hard for us to receive from God, especially if our mind, our brain— is telling us like, he's not happy with your body. He doesn't like this. This is disappointing to him. This is, this is not good. So, so there's that, there's a blocker from that. And that's one of the reasons that that when there are weight loss programs that are connected with faith, I mean, my counselor here in town, I, I I write about this in uh, one one of my books. I went to an eating disorder counselor for a little bit just to kind of like get my brain right. And she said the, the people that struggled the most in her experience were people who had been who had been under programs that connected our faith with losing weight. One hundred percent. My personal story is, I remember not liking my body in my earliest memories. My earliest memories, I didn't like my body, but things got very complicated for me when I turned fifteen and became a Christian. Like fifteen to twenty-five for me were the most disordered, unhealthy years because. I had so I was hearing so many mixed messages. All that being said, how it also changes our relationship with God. And I think we're able to receive love and rest and mercy and and his patience and kindness. I think we learn to trust his character a little bit more. I think, I think like right, our picture of him, the way we view him and the way we view him coming toward us changes um so much. I think that 
the biggest way, the biggest way I think that it changes our relationship with God is that we trust the Spirit in us a lot more. Um, you, you said that about like Christian eating, this nutrition, all the thing. Um, people ask me, you know, is there any kind of plan in the book? Like, what's the plan? Is there like a is there like an eight week or like a, a hundred days or something like that? I'm like, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> there's no plan. The plan is worship. The plan is you get with God. You listen to God. You live out Romans 12, one through two, where you submit your body to him and you say like, I just want to worship you. You tell me what that looks like. And then you get to hear from the Holy Spirit about what that looks like for you. You get to hear from the Holy Spirit about what it looks like for you to move your body in worship, to eat in worship, to rest in worship. And that's going to look different for all of us. But then I think we all walk away trusting God a little bit more in us. And I've told women, of the people I know who've read the book already, one of my favorite responses that um, from my mom to Jamie Ivey, both of them said this is my favorite thing. They finished the last page and said, I think I'm beautiful. Uh, oh I think gosh. I'm beautiful. And I I, yeah. I loved, I love hearing that response. I'm hearing that from women. But my second favorite response is, I think I can hear from God about my body. I feel like I know how to hear from God about what's good for me. And I'm like, you do. You, you do. Totally do. Yeah. Holy Spirit's a good communicator. Like, he's He's good, and you can trust him, and you can trust, like, your capacity to hear and and discern what is good for you. Are you having men reach out at all? Are men reading this too, you think? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I wish no. they would. No. I wish yeah. they would. If if. If, I mean, I mean, my husband certainly has. I wish they would, if for no other reason, to understand a little bit of what the the women around them are dealing with, to change their language a little bit. Because again, a lot of them don't even know the things they're saying. They don't even realize, you know, the shame that they're speaking that they were really taught to. That I mean, it's not like they they started this war. But I think it would serve them so much if they did, for sure. Yeah. You know, we tell our people on Friday in the AFD Week in Review emails who I'm going to be talking to the next week, and they can give us questions. And so we have a question kind of along these lines, which is what brought it to my mind. Uh, one friend asks, are there any resources you recommend for spouses for them to help understand what's going through a woman's mind who struggles with fear of food and body image? Absolutely. I would say the the book is totally like safe for men to read. Um, in general, the book is written to be trigger free. So anyone who struggles with eating I disorders or disorders, yeah. yeah, it's there's no there's no harmful stories. There's no harmful language. You're not gonna read the the f word in the book, which I call we call the f word in our house, which is f a t. Like you're not gonna read that word in the book. We don't we just don't play with any of that. And so I would say it's for sure safe for anyone to read, but I think it would be a huge benefit for for men, husbands, brothers, sons to just pick up and, and pay attention to like, oh, this is what it's like for her. Why don't y'all use that F word? Because it's the worst. I mean, we call it the F word in our house. I'll tell you why. I know that there are a lot of people who are fat positive and they love reclaiming that word. And I bless that for them. For me, it's it's just too much of a weapon for people who, who would never want to hear it. And so um, I am so blessed by the people who have like embraced, embraced language that's life-giving for them. For me, it's just too much of a weapon. Um, and so it's just never something I want to hear my kids use. It's wildly taken out of context. It's all the things. It's just not a safe word in our home. 
there are so many people on the internet who are like becoming famous and becoming influencers over talking about being body positive, no matter their size. And where does that fit in what God's asked us to do? Like, is that right or wrong? Is there like, I don't know, it feels sometimes like a worshipy problem or maybe, I don't know. What do you think when you see that? It's a really good question. We talk about it in the book. We talk about the body positive movement. We talk about the body neutrality movement. I am, from my perspective, I'm wildly grateful for both of those moments and for the freedom that so many people have experienced from them. Um, and again, that goes back to like, some people are really comfortable using the F word and like applying that and, and hashtagging it and saying like, there's no shame attached to it from a girl who is a church girl who's like in, enmeshed in Christian culture. I feel like we are so late to the game. All I'm ever going to say is like, thank you for those of you who have like taken this torch, who have been speaking life over people. I think it's so good. The the areas where like the true body positivity movement falls a little short for me and that I've heard from other people is that there isn't a lot of complexity for those of us who experience pain or weakness or sickness in our body. And so if if the immediate feeling is like, hey, I'm struggling with infertility. It's very hard for me to say like, I love my body. It's the best. Um, It's hard for me to celebrate that. Or for women who like Catherine Wolf, who wrote the foreword for Breaking Free from Body Shame, who's suffered a stroke and and now lives with the effects of that, um, like a, a just strictly blindly positive message that's like, everything's fine. This is good. That doesn't account for the actual sickness, weakness she feels in her body. And that's kind of, that's kind of where the kingdom comes in with, we should be able to ha- add a little more complexity to this because the gospel embraces weakness, it says, you know, it is his power made perfect in our weakness. It is the bad news that we're not enough and the good news that he is. And so I think we need a little bit more of, of a complex message that says, my body was created good. That is the name it was given. That was its original design, its original creation. Good, 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 good. Now it lives under the effects of a fallen world. So that means it ages. That means it gets sick. That means it groans and it's in pain often. Um, That means that things are happening that I can't control. And so I have to hold that complexity to say, okay, what does God think about that? Is he compassionate towards that? Is he using those weaknesses? But I don't have to stuff those feelings. I don't have to say like, it's fine. Everything's fine. It's great. I feel positive. I actually get to say as a woman of God, like, no, I really don't like my autoimmune disease. I do not love that. I do not love having to go get my skin checked once a month during the summer to check for melanoma. I don't love that. I don't love the weakness and the pain that I I see my friends experiencing, but I believe God is mighty in those things. I believe he's compassionate for those things. I believe he will use those pain, those moments of pain and weakness. And still also, I I have to be a woman who has a kingdom mindset and says like, and also there's an eternal perspective here about the purpose and the plan and the positioning of where my body, what's going to continue to happen in my body. There is going to be some ultimate healing. There is some bigger than just this life purpose. So all that being said, I love the body positive positive movement. I love how it served people. I think as women who believe in God's word and, and the kingdom, we can find a little more depth to help answer some questions that we still hold. That feels really good to me, that feeling of like, you don't have to force yourself to be thrilled with whatever is going through and going on in your body in order to be 
right with your body and right with God. No, yeah, yeah. That the way you just said it is so important, right? That we you don't have to like co-sign or fake it till you make it to be one with God. In fact, he he is very aware of our weaknesses and is like, let me come toward you. Let me help you. Let me serve you. Let me grieve over the pain that you're experiencing with you because I love you. I actually love your body more than you love your body. Do we know when our body has reached a place where we're not dealing with body shame? I think let's split the question into two places, into two questions. Let's let's go two routes. Number one. Let's chop this up. Let's Anna. chop this up. Number one, what we are very used to and what we are very accustomed to is a project-based mentality with our body. There is going to be a day when it's like good and we're okay and it's finished. That is actually like not coming. <laughs> So we great to <laughs> tell us the truth. Just tell us we the ha- truth. We have to trash this idea of a project-based mentality because what here's what we know. This is what we know as just smart women and men. That day never comes. At you reach the goal weight, you get enough money in the bank, you get the job. Doesn't matter. You still struggle with contentment. You still need God. You're still a mess. Um, you, you still need God. You still need help. You still need grace. And if we set our mindset toward like striving toward like a number, a day, a size, a this, a that, and we say, when I get this thing, everything will be better. Well, that also we would call idol worship, if we're being really honest. Oh, boy, you better say that. So we don't play like that. We don't want to do that. But it, we're so used to it. We're so used to this project-based mentality of like, one day I'll grow up. One day I'll be better. One day I'll get my body together. And I felt that for so long. So I just have so much compassion for that thinking. Um, so number one, we have to kind of like trash the project-based mentality. Your body is not a project. <laughs> you're, you're, you are the workmanship, if we believe Ephesians 2. You are the workmanship. So I would say that. Number two, like, how do we know our body is okay is a, is another question that I think you're asking. Like, because we want to be healthy people. We want people that steward and honor the bodies we've been given. How do we know if it's okay? How do we know if we're taking care of it? I do think that goes back to listening to God. Um, I think that personally, my personal perspective is I think we got to dismantle some cultural ideals from all perspectives, number one, like just from like aesthetics of like what the goal is, I think a lot of us need to say like, okay, what do I think I'm one day going to look like? Because that is probably not realistic for my body type, for so many of us. That may not be God's best for me. That's actually probably also never on the way. I think even from the perspective of, I've done a lot of like dig into even creation of the health measurements that we use. And I would just encourage anyone to do that research on their own. Like, how did the BMI get created? Oh, is it awful? Is the answer awful? I picture a bunch of white guys creating it. That's what it is. Okay, just just double checking. Just pretty just double checking. Yeah, it's not a great measure um, and a great measuring tool. And that's not to say that like we don't use any health measuring tools, but we just pay attention to like who gets to say when my body's good. For me, I think it looks like going to God and it looks a lot, this is what we would say in anything, right? In the way that you and I work in book launches, in other people's businesses, in motherhood, what we can control is what we input. We don't get to pick the fruit most of the time of what comes out. And so the question for me is like, what does worship look like? And am I living inside those boundaries for me? However the fruit of that looks, however much I weigh, whatever size I am, 
that's really not up to me. Like I can only input. And especially once we live and acknowledge that we live under the effects of the fallen world, women like you and I, like we can do a lot of healthy ish things and not look like what the world would consider to be. I don't even know. I mean, I know your life. I know my life. Like, yes, (laughs) I think the question has to be like, am I worshiping? Am I listening to God? Am I going after God? Am I striving? I don't want to be striving. Am I hiding? I don't want to be hiding. And then I think we got to dismantle some of those, some of those ideals, some of those markers, some of those hopeful pieces of fruit that maybe aren't ours to hold. Particularly on tour, I've been, we have, you have, have such a different life for them on tour. You know this, you've done it too. And I work out every morning, but not, not I'm not trying to do a thing. It's because I have so much energy in my body and because the time when I can connect most with God and, and work through the show that night is if I'm moving, if I move my, so I'll come back from a walk and have to have like four meetings with, with tour staff of like, can we do this tonight and see how this goes? And hey, can we switch this and this? And what if we stood that over there? Because exercise for me versus in my 20s and mo- some of my 30s, exercise was do this so you can get that. Now it is like, this is part of my, how my brain is healthiest. And I wouldn't have believed that 15 years ago. Yeah. And here's the deal too. Like the main question the book is asking is this. It's, it's asking it in a million different ways and giving women a bunch of different tools to apply it. But the question is this, are you trying to make your body good or are you treating your body like it's good? Oh, Jess. Yep. Are you trying to make your body good? Are you treating your body like it's good? And so to me, it sounds like you are treating your body like it's good. You are saying, hey, I know you need to move. I know this is how I think. I know this is how I process. I know this is how I meet with God. So we're going to move. We're not going to do it to get better. And so I would just want to hand every woman this, like, hey, what what if I just told you right now, your body's good. The project is over. School's out. So people ask me like, okay, how does it feel to be free in your body? (laughs) It's true. How does it feel to be free in your body? And I said, it feels like I just found out that I graduated from high school and I never have to do homework again times 1,000. I just am like, the project's over. There's there's no test coming up. No one's going to judge this. No one ever, not even me, nobody ever again gets to say whether my body is good or not. Now, if you believed that, what then would you do? So for me, I would move sometimes. And I would eat a smoothie sometimes. And I would eat a donut sometimes. And I would rest sometimes. And I would run six miles sometimes. But I would do it all from the motivation that God loves me, that he made my body good, and that I want to honor him with it. I wouldn't be doing any of it to make anybody happy, to get anybody's approval or to make myself enough for him. Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation one last time to give a shout out to one of our amazing partners, Ancient Nutrition. As we're in this conversation about treating ourselves and our bodies with kindness, I think we have a real opportunity to do that, not only in how we think and feel about our bodies, but also in what we put into them to keep them healthy and strong. It's one of the reasons I love Ancient Nutrition and they're amazing, dare I say, the best on the market, collagen. Ancient Nutrition has one goal and that's to transform the health of every individual on the planet with history's most powerful superfoods. Whether you wanna care for your body or sharpen your mind or just feel like your best self, Ancient Nutrition makes supplements that get real results that you can really feel. 
All Ancient Nutrition products are made from the highest quality ingredients and are rigorously and repeatedly tested for purity. Their best-selling multi-collagen protein powder includes five types of collagen. It's the first and only collagen on the market with clinically studied ingredients proven to help reduce joint discomfort as early as day one. Improve fine lines and wrinkles after four weeks and transform your overall skin tone after eight weeks. It's unflavored and it dissolves in any liquid. So you can put a scoop in your morning tea. That's how I use it. Or in your coffee, if it's your thing. You can add it to a smoothie or even to baked goods. Proven formulas for real health impact. That's what Ancient Nutrition is all about. Right now, Ancient Nutrition is offering 20% off your first order when you go to ancientnutrition.com right now and enter the promo code that sounds fun at checkout. That's ancientnutrition.com and the promo code is that sounds fun. And now back to finish my conversation with Jess. Jess, you you will believe me when I tell you this, but you wouldn't believe that at every single meet and greet we've done at tour, someone has talked about my body. Yeah. Meaning, thank you for this. Thank you for being this publicly, all this kind of stuff. And you go like, why is everyone talking about everyone's bodies? Like, why is that, why is that our go-to thing? They're not being unkind. But you go like, I can't understand why we talk about people's bodies so much. Why we don't just know everybody's body is good. Because when they're walking up to me, I'm one of my first things, I'm always like, that is a cute jumpsuit. Like, I'm cool with people noticing clothes and what you pick. Sure, sure. And so it has my antenna up of how much we talk about each other's bodies, particularly women to women. And, like, let's even unpack that a little bit more, like, when did you being in your body become such a brave, audacious thing? Like when women tell me like, you're so brave to wear that. I'm like, am I? (laughs) I didn't make it. I bought it at a store. (laughs) They're bike shorts. Like it's okay. Like when did it become so brave to be in our own flesh and and not mask who we are. Like, when did it become so brave to not stick 17 filters on your face and just say like, oh yeah, I'm 36, almost 37. I have wrinkles. That's happening. Yeah. Like, when did that become brave to just be real? When did it become brave to be real? That's the question. I don't know the answer to. I just know I, we talk about it every night at tour of thinking, man, and it, I know it is complimentary and it's people being kind and feeling inspired. So it never hurts my feelings. It's just such a notice of like, man, we have this thing about each other's bodies that I think women care far more about other women's bodies than men care about women's bodies. Yeah, for sure. I think so too. And I'll say, if I can, if I can say that's another plug for the book is that I hear from women all the time that are like, okay, so talk me through the words. Like, what do I say? Number one, what do I say that is not offensive to someone about their body, but also like, actually, what do I say when someone steps on my toes or, or says something hurtful about my body? And so we just wrote actual scripts and and put them in the book. I love that in the book. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. Yeah. Try this one. Try this, try this. If you want to be really direct, here's one version. If you need to be a little more polite, here's your version. Um, because we, we need language to be able to say like, Hey, I love you. Um, we're going to talk about something else for my good and for yours. Is it wrong to ever talk about people's bodies? I mean, great question. No, I mean, I think I think the answer to that question depends on who we're talking to. I had a friend yesterday who obviously I'm in the thick of book launch. She knows I'm talking about the, the book and she complimented me. And then she was like, I'm sorry. I was like, 
you don't need to be sorry. Like, if you tell me my body looks good, I'm going to say in Jesus' name, because it is an image bearer of Christ, my King. Like, I'm in. Right, I'm right. great with that. Like, I, I bless right. my body all the time. I want you to bless your body too. But for some people, that could actually be like a huge trap, you know, and so we have to consider them and know them. But that being said, I do think yes, it's 100% wrong every time to talk negatively about somebody else's body. I do. I can't think of one single thing. Oh, I do too. I said, you're going to die about this. I was texting with one of my buddies who's married and we were watching a musician on TV. And I said, whoa, he's skinny. And his response back to me was, I try not to talk about other people's bodies. 100%, yeah. And I thought, oh my gosh. And so I, I think I'm in the middle of reading your book in the middle of these conversations, in the middle of tour where people are seeing my body a lot and having this like tornadic event of, yes, we never want to talk negatively about anybody's bodies, even our own. How we talk about ourselves matters so much. Be a better friend to yourself than you are to anybody else. But also I've, I've just been wondering if even positively talking about someone's bodies is still feeding that same thing because you're still judging and you're still comparing and I'm still determining what their health looks like by complimenting their body. I'll give you an example. I had a I had a friend who would use this phrase a lot with me. She would say like, you're the smallest you've ever been. You're the smallest you've ever been. She would say that often to me. And I finally, in, in like so much love and grace, had to sit down and say like, hey, I think you know I, I've struggled with disordered eating a little bit. Um, here's what you need to know about me. I know what I've weighed every single day of my whole life. <laughs> I know what I've weighed right. every single day of my whole life. Right. And the problem is every time you say I'm the smallest I've ever been, my mind goes to like, no, I'm actually 78 pounds heavier than the smallest I've ever been. Or like, actually, I'm like 12 pounds heavier than the last time you saw me. And so number one, we're perpetuating the idea that I should be small rather than like, I just should be me. And number two, I think that you, what you want to say is that you think I look free or you think I look beautiful um, or that you're happy to see me. And I would love to hear any of those things, but I am breaking ties with the idea that smaller is better. And I actually have a huge trigger in my mind about how much I weigh. And so if you could not say that anymore, did that sound super extra and like pretty long to explain? Yes. Did she immediately say, thank you so much for telling me? Yes, she did. And she said, you're exactly right. I just want to tell you that you look beautiful. I was like, you can tell me I look beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, bring it. I'll take it. That's exactly right. (laughs) I will say like, yes and amen. Um, Yes, because that's subjective. But saying someone's body is big or small is attempting to be objective. Sure, absolutely. And so I think we got to know where everybody's at and and what feels good for them. But but see, because we don't, we shouldn't talk about bodies. Right. Yeah, talk about something else. We just don't know where people talk are. Talk about something else. I mean, the, my worst day of tour, I changed outfits four times to try to get in my body. And I couldn't, I'm not going to say I'm from stage, you know, like just trying to go, hey, you're fine. You're beautiful. You're like, you're you. You love being you. Let's go. But because other people don't know, we talk about each other's bodies. Yeah. And I'll tell you this. This is for anybody listening who's like, okay, but like, okay, but give me 30 seconds because I love you and I'm your friend and Annie's your friend. Give me 30 seconds of your time. Number one. Yeah. What's on the other side of the butt? Yeah. So number one, like, you know, we call this playing devil's advocate. Like, well, let me play devil's advocate. Like, hold on. Well, I'm going to say this to you guys in love because we're friends. Do you really want to be the devil's advocate on this one? Literally never. Yeah. (laughs) Like, do, can you stop there? If God said our bodies are good, do you really want to be on the devil's team? 
No, thank you. You don't. But if you're still wondering, you're like, okay, but hold on. But so my daughter is really struggling or like my son, I am really worried about his weight or my husband or my best friend or even me. A lot of women say like, but you don't understand. I'm really struggling. Here's what I would say. Like, do you want your brother, sister, daughter, husband, self? Do you want to be fit or do you want to be free? Because here's what I believe, that if you move towards freedom, you will find Jesus. You will find worship. You will find healing, wholeness, and abundance. And I really do believe with everything that I've got that if you move towards true freedom, absolute freedom found in Jesus Christ on the cross, I believe the health stuff will sort itself out. Right, right. And grace motivates us and the love of Jesus compels us to want to love our bodies well. And so I would just tell that devil's advocate, friend, brother, sister, mother, even if you're just talking about yourself, like you don't understand, I need that shame to motivate me. You don't. Shame is a horrible motivator. It is a tool of the enemy. It is not what God uses. He uses love and grace to compel people. So I'm not saying don't be healthy. I'm not saying don't move towards those things. I'm just saying like move towards freedom and you will get wholeness. That's it. Move towards freedom and you will get wholeness. Okay, so for those of us who have daughters in our homes, you're raising my friend, Glory. There are a lot of people who have daughters and sons in their homes. And while we're wrestling with this in ourselves and fighting for freedom for ourselves, how do we raise our kids well and away from body shame? Yeah. Number one, um, in Jesus' name, we literally never, ever, ever, ever talk bad about our bodies in front of them. Not one time. We never, ever, ever talk bad about our bodies in front of them. If we've already done it, starting now. And here's what. If you've already done it, you actually have more impact. You have a, a higher capacity to impact them by saying like, you know what? I don't know if anybody's ever noticed. Mom used to talk like this. So if your kids are old enough, you can literally repent in front of them. Right. You can right. go to them and say, I'm sorry, guys. Mommy used to talk like this, and I'm really going to work on it. Will you help me? Will you hold me accountable? And them seeing that change in you will change their lives. It will change their lives. Um, number two, we start speaking life over our bodies. We we start blessing our own bodies, saying this is a good body. God, thank you for this body. God, thank you for our bodies. You start blessing their bodies, telling them their bodies are good, telling them their bodies are worthy and valuable and whole and and worthy of rest and worthy of, of nutrition. Um, so number one, we rename. We rename. We we change the way we talk about our bodies. We change the way we let other people talk about our bodies. Number two, we let our kids, we let the people around us see us rest from striving. So we would want everyone in our lives to, to know like mommy, daddy, sister, brother, my roommate, she's not trying to get better. She's not trying to get better. She's believing her body's already good. She is resting from striving. She receives God's love. Number three, we experience restoration through worship. And, and that's going back to that, like, how do I know if I'm good? How do I know if I'm doing it right? We worship God. We hear from God about what's good for our bodies. My kids see me run. They see me move my body. This year, they saw me become a bar instructor in the middle of yes. the pandemic. Like, yes. they see me show up in my good body and take up space in my good body. They see me worship in my good body. They see me eat in my good body. They see me nourish my good body. They see me hear from God about my body. And then lastly, I think we get excited about revival. We get excited about other people 
people's freedom. I love that chapter. I love the chapter about revival. You went there. I loved it. <laughs> well, it's we gotta we gotta care about other people's freedom. This is true biblical freedom to look to the people around us and say, like, are you good? Are you free? I want you to be free. I want us to go for it. I want us to see the world change. I want to see the world change. And I want to tell you, like, I think this is part of why this book feels so different for me is because it is for such a time as this. The world is ripe. The generations coming after us are not here to play. They want freedom. They want freedom. And we have to decide where are we going to be when they take it? Are we going to be like, I don't know, guys, but the scale is so nice. And like, these filters are cool. And like, or are we going to be like, yes and amen. Let's go after it. Come on. Let's get it. Oh, girl. Well, listen, I'm trying. I'm working on it. You're in it. You're in it. You're doing it. You are doing it. I have a good body. You do. Um, Is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to talk about? I love your people. I love you. I love your body. This is not something we finish. Yes. This is not like a box that we color in and say like, that's it. It's done. And so if anybody is listening and saying like, I just do kind of feel a mess or I'm like only at the beginning of this or I wish I had started, you are not too late. You are right on time. God is there. Grandmother, mother, daughter, wherever you are, today's the right day. Today's the day. Um, Friend, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, will you answer our last question by telling me what sounds fun to you? Oh, On book launch week. Oh, what sounds fun to me on book launch week is I'm going on a boat ride. Oh, yay. And I'm really excited. My mom is taking me on a boat ride. Yes. And I'm so excited. And I'm going to jump into the water in my two-piece bathing suit and feel the cool ocean on my skin and know that my body is good and free. And that sounds fun. Jess, I'm loving that you're saying that because what I was going to tell you offline that I was tell you online is for the first time in my... As long as I can remember, I own a two-piece, thanks to you. If you don't send me that picture. I literally have never taken a picture in it yet, but I've worn it at the pool. But you better believe taking a picture is next level, but I'll do it today. I'll do it today. Just, just it's straight really to It's really cute. You know. It's red. Wow. It's so, but. Come on. Because I have a good body. And so I'm just doing it because you told me I could. I love you. You can. Amen. In Jesus' name. Oh, you guys, don't you love her? She is the best. What freedom and joy. And man, I adore her. Hey, be sure to grab a copy of her new book, Breaking Free from Body Shame. It's available right now. And give her a follow if you aren't following her already so you can tell her thanks for being on the show today. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That's how you can find me. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you. And I will do the same. Have a great week and we'll see you out on the road at the That Sounds Fun Tour and then back here on Friday with our Enia Summer 2021 Type 5s.